Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He needs to really deliver on the front end for me to not care about the back end. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Russell pulls up. And D'Angelo Russell off to a very nice yeah. start. Russell for three. Yes. What a debut for D'Angelo Russell. Carl in those ball screen actions if he's going to be back. Russell hits the three. You get excited. You watch him, you see the things that he can do. Um, but then also you you see the things that uh, you know, he doesn't know hardly any of the offense right now. He was playing off instinct, off feel. You know, a few basic things we put in um, for him, for for this group. Uh, but him even even more so not necessarily knowing exactly what we, we want out of each um, action. Um, I thought he did a nice job and I, I thought, you know, for our first game back after after sitting, um, you know, I know he had that Brooklyn game, but uh, I thought he did a nice job. If the NBA were the NHL, I, I might even award the moral victory point to the Timberwolves last night. A hard-fought effort. They led by 10 points in the first half. Toronto's really good. And uh, Toronto just Toronto shot fifty two percent from three. They're not going to do that every night. I award a moral victory to the Timberwolves last night. They didn't even no offensive plays. They're just out there blindfolded, basically playing one of the best teams in the NBA. Moral victory, gentlemen. Moral victory. This is going to be. By the way, I'm happy about this because it's fun to watch. This is going to be the story. I think of a lot of Wolves games in the last what's left thirty something games. They're going to. Run the floor really well now. They're going to hit three-pointers. God bless America, because they couldn't two weeks ago. And they're going to give up a boatload of points. And it's going to be so much fun to watch. I'm not giving them moral victories, but as I told Rami on Score North Live. Weekdays, noon to 2, scorenorth.com and the Score North app. Go listen to our conversation with Brian Windhorst. It was really good. At least it's fun to watch. Yeah, It's fun to watch. Like it's compelling. I think I, I think that's what the, re- the both of you are going to be saying for the rest of the season. Phil's going to be looking for moral victories, and Judd is just going to be looking for fun basketball because that's all there is to watch for and to look for at this point with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, I would argue I don't know, I don't know what what the expectation should be yet because I don't know. There's like seven dudes on the roster that I just heard about last week, so. But let's let's start the show off, and this is actually one of our most packed shows that we've had. In the last three or four months, we're going to start out here with the uh, the, the Brian Windhorst conversation that Rami alludes to. Mm-hmm. There's a couple clips here. Brian Windhorst, we'll play him here in a second, on what the league thinks about the Timberwolves. But 
Judd had a sit-down about an hour ago with Wild GM Bill Guerin that we'll get to in 10 or 12 minutes from now. Ten days of Twins talk continues with a Marwin Gonzalez apology and our thoughts on his involvement in the Astros cheating scandal in about 20 minutes and the scoop of Doogie at 5 o'clock. But, uh, Jonathan, which one should we play first here? We've got we've got Wendy on Cat, and then we've got Wendy on the Wolves as a whole. Yeah, let's go with Cat. All right, this is Brian Windhorst, as plugged in as it gets in NBA circles on Score North Live earlier today. I think people believe him to be a spectacularly talented player, one of the most talented guys of his size ever to play in the NBA. Has a chance to be a Hall of Famer, quite frankly. Uh, you know, uh, but um, frankly, whines a lot. Uh, blames other people for things, and most importantly, when the chips are down, has proven to be soft, especially defensively. Um, you know, which going back to his rookie year, I remember his rookie year when they played out in Golden State. I can't remember if they won that game or they almost won the game, but I remember seeing him like they would put him in a switch and he'd be out on the perimeter defensively, you know, competing, trying to stay in front of Steph Curry. And I was so impressed with him. And just defensively, he has withered away to nothing. And so, like, you know, if you're going to play as a seven-footer in the NBA right now and succeed, you're going to have to get it done uh, against smaller guys, which means you're going to have to work defensively. And he has not shown that. He's shown offensively to be super talented. But, I mean, the results speak for themselves about how that overall works. So the checklist there, if you're scoring at home, Brian Windhorst, and he's not just off the top of his head. This is, this is all stuff he's getting from people in the NBA. He said, Carl Anthony Towns... Wines too much, he's soft, he blames other people for things, and defensively he has, quote, withered away to nothing. A, how many of those things do you agree with? And B, how many of those things are fixable if you agree with them? All of them. I agree with everything Brian Windhorst said right there. Okay. I mean, what is there to disagree with? I'll throw your I'll answer your question with a question. What is there to disagree with at this point? He does whine in a Carl lot. Anthony Towns' career. He does whine a lot. Uh he does he does come off as more soft than other star players in the NBA. And by, I guess let's define soft. Soft meaning our, like, whining is part of being soft, I think. Um, I think withering in or, or wilting in moments of pressure, that's soft. Can we, can we stop on that word, though? I mean, that, that is one of the most... <clears throat> you could call a professional athlete... The laundry list, I think, of four-letter words that can't be repeated or talked about or said on these airwaves, and they'd be like, well, bleep you too. If you call any professional athlete, if you walk up to him and say, you know what your fault is? You're soft. I think that's the worst word that you could use. And for a guy who's plugged in, as plugged in as Brian is, so... To Phil's point, and we, we talked about this on Score North Live as well, noon to two weekdays here, Rami and a rotating cast of characters, including oh, me, and I am on point most of the time when I'm with him. Um, but when you look, but when you consider that word... <laughs> I agreed. I shook my head yes. I said, yeah, you're on point. You are, you've taken this thing up a notch, and Brian's getting this from people in the league. This is not, this is not Brian on his couch watching games being like, I think Carl's soft. This is people in the know telling him this. Dude, I've been this hard, is frightening. I've been hard on Cat for about a month now. I've been pretty hard on Cat, but I have stopped short and intentionally. Like the word has been ready to leave. It's on the tip of my tongue and ready to leave my mouth. And I'm like, man, that's that's a big that's a big bone to throw out there. You can't you can't pull that one back. Once you throw out that soft, 
label on somebody. That's like Judd said, that's one of the four letter words in the world of sports, doing what we do and being in the sport actually itself. That's not something that people throw around that that loosely. And I'm sure Brian Windhorst is probably more careful throwing that around than I am. That's a respected journalist. I'm me. So I don't I can't imagine you, you barely respected in <laughs> your own household. Exactly. I can't imagine that Brian That's Windhorst. That's true of all of us. Don't worry about that. I can't I can't I can't imagine Brian Windhorst is just walking around Throwing around the soft label on people. That that can't be something that's happening that often. For him to do that, that tells you... And by the way, that, that wasn't necessarily what... I want to be clear here and make sure that we're not pulling something out of context and putting something on Brian Windhorst that he doesn't necessarily deserve. I asked him, what is, his, what is the perception of Cat around the NBA based on what Brian Windhorst knows and the people that he talks to? That's what he was answering. That's how people around this league look at Carl Anthony Towns. Brian Windhorst doesn't say that the perception is that he's soft unless he's heard people around the league say that Carl Anthony Towns is soft. And that is the last thing you want floating around about you. And we all thought that might be going on. I think this pretty much confirms that that's what's going on. It's not just Joel Embiid. Yeah, and I think there's there's two different departments in the soft store, if you will. There's physically and there's mentally. And I think physically, if you're going to say he's physically soft... Uh, I don't know if I would go. I don't know if I would go that far. I think just because someone shoots three pointers, I don't think they're physically soft. Does that mean Steph Curry is soft because he shoots three pointers? No, nobody would say Steph Curry is soft. It's the mental side that I would worry about here. Yep. That 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 he he gets thrown off of his game. He's all out of sorts. He pouts. He's moody. Those types of things. When I think of a player who isn't soft or a player who is mentally tough, to me it's about stoicism. It's I mean that Kobe Bryant chin out grit look on his face. Ignore that the game that he scored 81 points against the Raptors, for instance, 12 years ago, Kobe Bryant spoke not a word of trash talk the entire game, according to Jalen Rose and Sam Mitchell and those Raptors players. He was just out there for two and a half hours and he was an assassin, right? That's that stoic mentality. And Carl Anthony Towns is more sort of this thea- d- demonstrative but how theatrical. About like Tim Duncan, okay? Again, yeah. stoicism, and he complained right? to officials too, but he, right. he was also very. But you took him serious. But you didn't roll your eyes at Tim Duncan. Correct. He Carl, meant business. Yeah, Carl gets into these fits, and I think that's the right word. Fits where you roll your eyes and you're like, "Dude, you got to grow up." Yeah. And yeah, it's not. It's not how he elects to play the game. It's how he elects to react to the game that gets me. And I think that's where Brian has a point. But just to use that word for him, for Brian to come into our house and use that word about Carl Anthony Towns. I think takes this in in a direction that to Rami's point, we weren't even necessarily really going down that path, and now we are. And it's not like you could say, "Windy, no, you're wrong." Sorry, whenever you say "windy," I just he brought it. I can't believe that we've had an entire conversation about the word "soft" and you haven't done it once. What S A W F T soft? Every time you used to do that. Now we just talk about soft, and you don't do it. S A W F T soft. The other two things he said, and by the way, if you if you don't get that, it's okay. You either get that or you don't get that. It's you either like you wrestling know. or you don't. That's really it's a lifestyle. Uh, the other two things Wendy criticized Cat for, or just sort of through the through the minds and voices of people in the NBA, that he blames other people. I think I think sometimes he goes over the top and will take responsibility for things that clearly aren't his fault. But he's also deflected a little bit, like the whole the whole thing last week before the trade was made, and he's talking about how. He's sick of losing and these things like, well, but you're part of that too. take some ownership. 
And then defensively, quote, he has withered away to nothing, is what Windhorst said. Of these four, how many are fixable? I think the defensive thing is actually pretty. This guy is a seven-foot freak athlete who can get whatever he wants in terms of offense. I think it's just more more committing to it. I think the defensive thing is is fixable. Blaming other people, I think that's fixable and whining. The the key thing here is soft. And I wanna I wanna read some names to you guys here. Because ultimately the goal is for him to be the best player on a championship team, right? For Carl Anthony Towns to be the guy that leads you and your franchise, or D'Angelo Russell. This this will play out how it plays out. And if you look at NBA Finals MVPs over the last 25, 30 years, I'm gonna read this list of names to you. How many of these guys at one point used to be soft and then got over their softness and became mentally tough warriors on the basketball court. No pun intended, okay? Because that's what we're talking about here. Can a guy transform himself from being perceived as a softie to being a hardened leader of a championship caliber team? All right? Kawhi Leonard. I don't think we ever I don't think we ever viewed him as soft, no. right? Weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not soft. Yeah. He's a cyborg, right? He's an odd guy, socially awkward. Marches but. to his own drummer, but not soft. People yeah. people did question like whether or not he should have been playing that last year with the Spurs when he had the injuries and his people were telling him different things than the Spurs medical people. But I don't think that's the type of soft that we're talking about, Correct. whether or not yeah. you'll play with an injury. We're talking about the mental wherewithal to deal with, with adversity and tough times, which Carl Anthony Towns does not. What about Kevin Durant? I actually think that label was out there a little bit for him. He's very he's very sensitive. He even admitted last week again that he has burner accounts on social media. I mean, that label might still be on him for those who don't put a lot of stock in the rings that he ran to the Golden State Warriors yeah. to win. It's a unique circumstance because, yeah, he was finals MVP, but they also didn't need him to win the finals. Did I imply enough with that sentence I just spoke? Or No, you did. Okay, good. It was crystal clear. All right, yeah. cool. It was crystal clear. I, I think the other word that we can use, too, here is respect. Because I respect Kawhi a lot. Kevin Durant, if I he's a great talent. I don't know my respect is nearly as high for him as it would be for Kawhi. Yeah. LeBron James, Andre Iguodala, Dirk Nowitzki. No. I don't know, man. Like, I think people soft. incorrectly thought LeBron James was soft for a minute there in like 2010. But I don't know, man. He's just a freight train. And Dirk Nowitzki is always—he's always had a grit to his game and a tenacity to his mindset. And Andre Iguodala is one of the grittier players in the say, last twenty gritty. years in he, the NBA. He's gritty, right? Paul Pierce, Kobe Bryant, Tony Parker, Dwayne Wade, Tim Duncan, Chauncey Billups—these are Finals MVPs. Shaq, Michael Jordan, the Dream, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars. I mean, Dumas. Magic Johnson. Like, like those are the like those are the dudes. How None much, of those guys. How much more do you guys think that Cat can mature as a player slash person this far into to his career? Because he's to go back to our conversation from last week. I believe he's still relatively a young human being, a young man, but he's not a young player now. And so, how far are we down the road of those things coming together? And the acceptance being that there's not a lot of growing that's going to ha- happen here to him as a player. Because it's not like he's in his second year. And by the way, they tried to bring in some guys to toughen him up, and it completely backfired. And so now we're working on a coach who he, I think, goes to church with, which is just fine, but that shows their uh, very close relationship-wise. And they just brought in his best friend as opposed to a guy who's going to kick his butt. Yeah. 
Well, I think he I think he definitely deserves. Listen, this is the new roster. This is the 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 wingman that you wanted to be brought into the organization, and this is the sidekick. This is the front office. Like this is the structure with with some tweaks and changes to be had to it. But this is the house, man. Like this is it. This is the this is the system. This is your contract. This is your Batman or your Robin. This is it. And now we go forward. And now now we know what the bar is, and we get to compare him to that. Did anybody ever stop being soft and stop pouting because they were catered to and given everything that they want? Has that ever happened in sports or anywhere else? When when somebody acts like a like a baby, like a child, and and all and the response every time is, "Oh, here here's what you want." Has that has that ever made somebody who was soft into a a proven competitor? Or harden them up, as or edge their steel. Has that ever happened? Where you 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 just coddle and cater to every demand that somebody has when when they pout, they don't even fight for it. They pout. Yeah, it's a valid question. I don't think that's how you I'm fix this. To think. If, but the, it, if this is a problem that's fixable, I'm pretty sure that's not how you do it. But then again, when Jimmy Butler came in. And started actually pointing out the things that were going on. That didn't seem to do it either. So I don't know that there is an answer here. And I'm pretty convinced that regardless of somebody's age, when we talk about professional athletes, once we get to the four or five year mark of your career, you are who you are, dude. You, you just are who you are. And whatever whatever reasons led to that. And look, Carl Anthony Towns may have been sabotaged from the beginning from being in Wolves culture and a dysfunctional organization. But if... Whether or not that's what ruined him, I don't know that there's any coming back now, man. I really just don't know that there's any coming back once you're in your fourth or fifth year in the league. Here's what concerned me. What concerned me was what we saw up until the Russell trade this year. Because I really thought, you put a smart guy like Gerson Rosas in charge, and he's got an idea that, you know what, it's very 2020. That's great. You hire a guy that Cat likes as coach, Ryan, who's a very level-headed I think he's a good coach. He's too young, but I think he's a good coach. But Ryan, li- or I'm sorry, Cat likes him a lot. And then you say, you know what, Cat? It's not going to be easy, but we're putting these things in place for you, basically. We're, we're trying to cater as much as possible. And by the way, we fully realize and will essentially acknowledge that the personnel around you is not going to fit where we ultimately want to end up. But this is your kingdom. And I think we're... Guys, I got really bothered was how Cat acted the last month or so, which was, well, it's still not working. Well, right. We knew it wasn't going to work yet. Like, it's not ready. It's not ripe. And now all of these things again being done for Cat. And can I definitively sit here now and say, oh, it's going to work for sure? That's why I can't. Up until, I thought the Jimmy and Tibbs thing was ridiculous. And I know what they were trying to do, but I thought it was absolutely ridiculous to have a guy making a scene in practice where he looked like a jackass and the coach laughing and bellowing like the town bully. And I could see why Carl didn't like that. But these few, the first few months of this year really bothered me because Cat was so far away from the, the desire, the desired impact of this is on me and we're going to get this fixed. Instead, it became, I'm tired of this. Yeah. And we'll hear more from Brian Windhorst, the full conversation, part of Score North Live earlier today, noon to two weekdays, also available on demand on Apple, Spotify, or the Score North app. But there's another clip, him talking about who won the trade, we'll get to a little bit later on. But let's keep it right here, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and Judd caught up earlier today, about an hour, hour and a half ago, 
with Bill Guerin, the Wild General Manager. A huge trade last night. Jason Zucker to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we're going to have a little sit-down here, Judd and Bill Guerin. You can find also Judd's Hockey Show, 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights, and available on demand anywhere you find podcasts. But this is Judd with Wild GM Bill Guerin. Okay, joined now on Judd's Hockey Show by Wild GM Bill Guerin, who, of course, pulled off the trade that sent Jason Zucker to the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins on Monday night. And start you off with this one, Billy. How long did this trade talk and how... Uh, trade talk go on, and how many teams were involved in discussions, as you discussed what I would guess was a pretty good asset in a guy that can score some goals in Jason Zucker? Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, it's kind of a, a, a funny deal because um, not even a year ago, I mean, six months ago, seven months ago, I was on the other side of it. I was working for Pittsburgh trying to acquire uh, Jason from the Minnesota Wild uh, for Phil Kessel. So, you know, and I was uh, a, a big supporter of, of Jason. And um, so, you know, even though there are many teams that, that called about him, uh, you know, Jim was the guy that that uh, that I really knew was passionate about him, and I knew we could work out a fair deal. And um, you know, Jim's obviously great to work with, and uh, it just it just made sense. For both sides, sure. Was doing a deal with people that you knew with the Penguins. Did that make it easier or more difficult in some ways to make sure that you got a return that ultimately you and the Wild thought was fair and that you liked? Well, I, you know, in dealing with Jim, I mean, I, I, I said this, uh, you know, many times uh, over the last couple months. Uh, one of the first things I le- learned from Jim was to always try to make a fair deal, never try to just win it, um, because you'll have a hard time making deals and. Um, you, you want it to work for both sides. Actually, we had that conversation at the St. Paul Hotel uh, when he first came on board. and um, So I knew that Jim and I could work uh, together to to create something that, that works for both sides. And I, I, I believe Jason's going to have great success over there. And we're really, really happy to have Alex Gilchenyuk, uh jumping in the lineup tonight um, with Kalen Addison as our our uh, defensive prospect and a first-round pick. So I, I I think it just works. Hey, Bill, what, what does Alex Galchenyuk have to do to get closer to maybe being that player he was in Montreal when he scored 30 goals and, and not being the player that's being demoted on the fourth line and really struggling to find his game? What do you want to see him kind of bring here to Minnesota? You know what? There are a couple of things that, that a, a, a player has to do when they're struggling, and, and I've been there, and it's not a, it's not a great place to be. Um, but what I told him and what I want him to do is I expect him to come in and be a good teammate, work his tail off, and have some fun. You know what? He's going to get an opportunity to play now. And, you know, it's been a little while since he played, you know, significant minutes. And, um, you know, that's all you want to do is, is play, no matter what level you're at. Uh, if you're a pro, if you're a mini-mite or whatever, you want you want to be in the game. And he's going to get that opportunity. And I want him to come in here and enjoy his, uh, his experience uh, right off the bat in Minnesota. Bill, take us through the process of this trade, too, because you obviously traded a guy who's probably going to go to Pittsburgh. And to your point about it being a good trade for both sides, you know, he's going to play with, what, Geno or Sidney Crosby. He's probably going to thrive. He's probably going to be great. And that's going to cause some fans to be like, well, you traded this great player, blah, blah, blah. But... How much of a conundrum or difficult situation, if you want to call it that, Bill Guerin, do you face? Because you came here late, and and I'm sure look at this franchise, and you see holes in the draft previously, because the, the Wild, much like the Penguins are doing right now, Billy, went for it. 
you probably see holes in the AHL system as far as the minor leaguers go. How much of this is also about the future and the repair of, of building up a franchise that with Chuck Fletcher, quite frankly, probably three times went for it and lost assets because of that? Well, that's why I, that's why I personally like the trade is because, you know, as I said in my press conference, we, we checked a lot of the boxes. Um, we, we got somebody that can help us now. We got somebody that's going to be here in the near future. And we got a draft pick that's, that's in the first round that's, that's going to be a, a future asset. And you know what? Um, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Jason's going to go and have success with Pittsburgh. That's okay. You know what? You don't want people to go places and fail. Um, you know, we wish him all the best, and Pittsburgh's uh, a good hockey team and a good place. I know that personally. Um, but we need to we need to fix some some things here, and it's not about what they're doing; it's about what we're doing. Hey, Bill, with Kalen Addison, uh, it seems like these right shot dynamic defensemen are are truly hard to find. And I know you're doing due diligence with the entire roster, but. Possibly having the idea of Matt Dumba and Addison playing together, I mean, that has to be a, a thing that you're looking at long-term that you'd love to have as a building block for the while going forward. You know what? There's, there's, you can never have enough defensemen. I learned that early on in my, uh, my post-playing career. And, um, you know, the fact that we've added another right-shot defenseman to the mix, um, a young kid that can, that can learn from the, the players that we have right now, uh, not just play with them, but, you know, really learn from them. It's a uh, it's a bonus for us. So we're like I said, we're really happy with the return. And and you know, Kalen's a good kid. I, I know him from my time in Pittsburgh, and he's a good person. He really wants to be an NHL player, and uh, we're excited about that. Bill, what would be your response to the fan base who see uh, Jason get dealt and think that Bill Guerin is bailing on the 2019-20 season as far as playoff potential goes? Well, I would respectfully disagree. Um, I believe that I believe that other players are going to get more opportunity. Um, I I believe that uh, this is something where Alex Galchenyuk's coming in motivated and ready to play, and he's he's a proven scorer in this league as well, and he can help us. And hey, look, I still think we can make the playoffs. That's the mandate to the team. We want to make the playoffs, and if anybody's bailing out, there's it's not going to be good. All right. So, um, you know, respectfully disagree with anybody that says that. All right. I love that that quote. I've watched this team since its inception, Bill, and I want to say the last I don't know, take your pick, four or five years after a trade like this, I feel like I've seen this team come out in the next game incredibly flat. Like, oh boy, my friend is gone. Woe is me, as Bruce likes to say. <clears throat> I love your mandate that you can almost use this type of trade because guys do get close, I'm sure, as sort of a gauge of, of people's mentality too. And that this will, this will try players and they can go, I think what you're saying, one of two directions. The, oh boy, this is not fair side or the, you know what, bleep this. I'm going to continue to work hard side. I love that sort of edict to the players. Well, thanks. You know, and look, I, I don't want to, um, you know, uh, minimize the human aspect to it. There, there are, there are wives, there are families involved in this, um, and it, and it is difficult. It, it's difficult to see a friend go, and it's, it it turns people's lives upside down. I've been there, um, 
I think four times in my career. And uh, at least, I mean, traded four times and then moved another three. Uh, so I, I get it, and I don't take it lightly. Um, but you know what? We're all professionals here. This is what we signed up for. And, uh, you know, th- this is uh, this is part of the job. So, uh, you know, it, sometimes it hurts, but you're expected to be there at 7 o'clock tonight and, uh, and playing your hardest. Hey, Bill, how much or not at all are, are you taking into consideration that that expansion draft is coming up uh, next year? Uh, are, is that factor in as you do moves here at the deadline or next summer, or is that just not a bridge you're going to cross until maybe a year from now? No, it comes up. Um, can, can I say it's at the top of our list right now? Uh, you know, no, but we, we do take it into consideration. Um, we do try to look down the line as, as far as we can, and, and that's going to be, uh, you know, that's an important uh, uh, time. And you know, you see, you know, you see players that are picked up or players that you, you know, you try to keep and you lose other assets. So it's going to be something that we we definitely have to deal with. But it only comes up once in a while right now. So, Bill, this trade comes exactly two weeks before the uh, trade deadline, which is February twenty fourth. How much does this possibly position you? Because there is a bit of a cushion here. Uh, to potentially make a few more deals before that that deadline, knowing exactly what the return for Jason was. Well, listen, like I, I, I don't want to promise that there are going to be more trades, um, and I don't want to promise that there there won't. Um, I, I'm I'm on the phone with other general managers uh, pretty consistently now. I, um, you know, I. I have great conversations with guys and we're all trying to do the same thing and that's improve our team. And, uh, you know, uh, I, like I said before, I like our players. I like them as people. I like them as players. I think we're good. So I'm not in a rush to just, you know, put guys out the door. If it makes sense for us and it's going to help us, uh, either now or down the line, we'll, we'll, we'll do it. And, uh, but if it doesn't make sense for us, I, I, I like who we have to give me the, uh, your, your thought process on this one. What was Bill Guerin's perception of the Wild organization in late August, the day that you took this job, versus your perception now, well, into the season, and now being completely familiar with things like the personnel, the players, the depth charts? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, no, my, hey, look, my, my perception coming in was that, um, that we're a team that, uh, um, was just maybe a little stale, a little, uh, maybe a little, um, a little tired. Um, you know, there, there had been some, some playoff, uh, um, you know, bursts, um, but then, then not much beyond that. And I think what, what I really saw was, um, we could just use a little bit more of an attitude adjustment, a little bit more swagger, a little bit more confidence. And, uh, I'll tell you what. There's a ton of character in, in, the, in this locker room. Um, these guys really, really like playing here. They like playing together. Um, they're, 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 they're good people, like I said. A lot of character. I really like this group, and they like each other. So I've been really impressed with them. And, um, you know, uh, hopefully we can, we can string together a bunch of wins and, and sneak in. Thanks, Bill. Great stuff. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Billy. Bill Guerin, Wild GM, joining Judd's Hockey Show. Thank you, sir. Great stuff. By the way, Marcus Foligno, two years ago, I thought this guy's... There we go. Okay. (laughs) What, you... (laughs) 
Are you okay? Oh, were you just about disgust? to swear? Why were you? In such I was disgusted. Cut it because that was the that was it. And then I I said something about Felino that was not for air. Oh, wait, what? Like, did you swear about Felino? No, no, no. I was talking about how good he's been, but I told Garen that we were done, and it oh. wouldn't be fair to him to then expect oh, him to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna play this on the air. No, no, no. There was no. Oh there man, was that no, would have been amazing. There was no swearing. <laughs> yeah, wow. I look at Judd, like Judd had this wow. white look on his face. Yeah. Like, oh, there's still thirty seconds left. No, 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 cut it. No, we shouldn't have cut it. We no, should it not have, have been, cut it. We should have played it. It wouldn't have been fair to him. His assumption <laughs> was that we were about done. Fair. And I was, was it going to make good radio? It really didn't. No, it was just. Uh, it was I a general. It was a general <laughs> observation. Know. But I don't like to. I don't like for people to do me a favor and then be like, oh, and I just kept recording. By the way, all right, congrats. Well, hold on. Can you pod this back up, Jonathan? Yeah. Uh, congratulations. I got a good, good question. Good question from thank Bill you Garen. very much. There it is. Hold on. Hold on. One second. Now that that interview was technically conducted for Judd's hockey show, right? Or was that was that recorded to air on Mackie and Judd with Rami primarily? And Judd's hockey show is just wow. Is Rami's trying to skate. You know what? You know what? Like, I, need if, the, if, I need the committee to rule because if I if I ask a question on Score North Live and we play like Brian Windhorst, I don't know if he did, but he might have said good question if, to something if, I asked. Here, today. Here's the rule: if it if it runs on Mackie and Judd with Rami, mm-hmm. and the good question also runs on Mackie and Judd with Rami, we it give, counts. We give him the point. Now, if this you the, if you get committee, if me. you get one on Score North Live. And you try to shoehorn it in and say, guys, hey, I had a guest on today. We should run part of the back on Mackie and Judd with Rami. This question in particular, we should run back today on Mackie and Judd with Rami. So Judd climbs into second place in the good question, good point standings. I have three on the season. Judd has two. And Rami, only one so far. you got to step up your game, man. Ask better questions to these guests. When we come back, rig the game like some people do. Ten days of twins talk. I I did not ask Bill Guerin to say that. (laughs) Ten days of twins talk. When we come back here to Mackie and Judd with Rami and the scoop of Doogie in about twenty five minutes from now. So we're sitting in the TCL studios. TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand, and uh, TCL has some of the best picture quality and entertainment option TVs on the market. We're talking about the newest TCL Roku TVs. With 5,000-plus streaming channels and 500,000 movies and TV show episodes, if you're thinking about upgrading your TV or adding a new one, look no further than TCL, available at major local retailers here in the Twin Cities. And you just you can enjoy more with TCL. You can enjoy sports and non-sports. And if you're a cord cutter like myself, like Rami, then... Um, you just you're going to want those 5000 streaming channels because you're going to want options tclusa.com and like I said any major local retailer Judd. It gives me a chance to talk to you about my friend Jason Walgrave the Walgrave Real Estate Group and their guaranteed sales program and you know there's a lot of guys in this town a lot of folks who have uh, been moved in recent days some play for the Wild some play for the Timberwolves and they're looking to sell their home right because they've got a home in the Twin Cities and they no longer need that home they are going to want to sell it either this spring or summer and if they came to me and said Judd what do you think I should do I would say Here's what you should do. Call Jason and uh, consult with him and his team at the Walgrave Real Estate Group because Jason's going to guarantee the sale of your home. And now you're thinking to yourself, okay, Judd, this sounds familiar. I've heard a lot about guaranteed offers, right? 
But what about guaranteed sales? I'm talking to you about, Jason, guaranteeing the sale of your home. All you have to do, it's this easy. Go to jasonsguarantee.com. That's jasons, J-A-S-O-N-S, guarantee.com. Click on the guaranteed sale button to learn how the program works. But again, this is not a guaranteed offer. It's a guaranteed sale. This is going to take a ton of stress off the move for you. Again, the guaranteed sale program. How do you find it? By going to jasonsguarantee.com, the guaranteed sale program. You'll be glad you did. Jonathan here with the Score North download brought to you by Team Mackey for the Big Climb Minneapolis. We'll get you back to Mackey and Judd with Rami in just a second. But Gary Kubiak was a was officially introduced as the new Vikings offensive coordinator today. And he talked about how the offense is lined up to help Kirk Cousins, Say, Well, I think you got to give him and his teammates credit. I mean, uh, he played extremely well. Uh, had a lot of help around him. Uh, the guys up front, Dalvin, the way he played. Uh, Diggsy, the receivers, Adam. You know, I mean, he got a lot of help from Rudy and good, a good group. So, uh, But I also think that, uh, you know, we worked really hard to try to figure out what we think he does best and how we could grow from that standpoint. I think the number one thing Kirk did last year, he got, he got rid of the football. And it's hard in this league to get that mentality that the ball's got to come out you know, for your team to be successful. So I think he took a step in that direction, but now it's time for us to grow off of that. And, you know, how do we get better? He's in the prime of his career. He's a good football player. This is a good football team. And the, and the better better he plays, the better we coach, you know, the further we have a chance to go in this, in this business. So we'll keep pushing on that, but he's definitely doing his part. Join Team Mackey on February 15th for this year's Big Climb Minneapolis to raise money to fight blood cancer, benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Donate to our team or join Team Mackey for just $20 when you use the promo code Mackey. Go to scorenorth.com slash big climb now. That's been your Score North download. Now back to Mackey and Judd with Rami. Swing and a drive. First pitch. It's two to nothing. The rain has come again. It's 10 days of Twins Talk on Mackey and Judd with Rami. That's right. Every day this week and every day next week, we will be diving into a Twins topic or question as part of our 10 days of Twins Talk with spring training opening up in Fort Myers, Florida, where we sent Derek Wetmore down with SPF 2000 to make sure that he is protected <laughs> from the sunshine in Fort Myers. So uh, you're down there today, Derek Wetmore, and the Scornor Twin Show you can find every day that you're down there, Apple, Spotify, and the Scornorth app. And we're going to play a clip here. This is Marwin Gonzalez. It's a short clip. Marwin Gonzalez today became the first position player from the 2017 Houston Astros to apologize publicly. Let's play this audio, and then all of us can react to this. I'm remorseful for, for everything that, that, that happened in 2017, um, everything that, that, that we did as a group, and then and like the players that were affected directly by us uh, by doing this and uh, some other things. And then that's what I feel the more the more regret, and that's what uh, I'm re- remorseful. So he said he's remorseful. He he he's he regrets what they did and regrets what happened to some of the pitchers that maybe their careers were altered. Derek, what did you make of Marmon Gonzalez's apology today? I think you should text one of his best friends, Jose Altuve, and ask him to get on the horn as well and and finally show some remorse for this thing. Marwin is a twin. He was an Astro in 2017. Shockingly, he's the first player to own this, the first position player. Like, my reaction was, hello, Alex Bregman, are you listening? Was that so hard? I don't know if I'm just irrationally annoyed by it, but I'm stunned that Marwin Gonzalez at Twin Spring Training is the first position player to take any ownership whatsoever for this thing. 
which shows he's the smartest, right? Because, I mean, this is the logical step. I don't understand what the Astros are struggling so much with. You cheat, you get caught, you apologize, it's America. We're a lot more likely to forgive. You cheat, you get caught, you act like you're indignant, we hate you. So what? Got, no, seriously. What? Yeah, Mar, what Mar, you're right. What Marwin did to me was the same step that Andy Pettit took. He did steroids. He came clean and said, "I'm asking for forgiveness." And you know what? We all pretty quickly forgave him. I think on the twins' part and on Marwin's part, this is a great move because it starts now moving past it. Yeah, and you can't move past it if it's sort of like shadowy and and murky and everything that's going on. I think you're right, Judd. I think the Astros should have done this from the jump, but the only the only reasoning that I can come up with is that they were allowed to continue to act this way. Leadership within their organization. Now I'm I'm casting a pretty wide net here, but how else can you explain the sort of uh, brash, almost cockiness that they displayed at Astros Fan Fest? Look, I don't know if the Twins are out of the water with this yet. I don't know if Marwin's out of the water with this yet. But all I know is that Tuesday's a good first step in that direction. And what I'm curious to see coming next is, how does he address his teammates behind closed doors in that Twins clubhouse here in Fort Myers? Because keep in mind, he's going to have to patch up whatever relationship is possible with a guy like Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, his new teammates, to say nothing of his old teammates. I mean, this is, I'm not trying to blow this out, this molehill into a mountain, but I I think how he responds privately is almost more important than how he tells us in the public he feels right now. Did anyone ask him if this was going on since he's come over from the Astros to the Twins? Because that speculation is going to be out there, not just about Marwin Gonzalez, but anybody who left that Astros organization and went to another. That's a great question, Rami. Um, oh, no, that's that does probably not, more. That does uh, not count. Let's what? Where's, where's the buzzer? What? That does not where's count. Where's the buzzer? What? Come on. Oh, this thing is rigged. I'm sorry. Car- <laughs> carry on, Derek. Carry on. Uh, more Thank of a Rocco Baldelli and front office question to me. Um, it's Of course, it's a natural question because when he arrives, 2017, okay, Twins, you know, pop-up year, make the wild card game in the playoffs, 18 doesn't go so hot, really, really derailed by a lot of key injuries at, at key spots around the diamond. 2019, Marwin's first year with the Twins, offense explodes. I, I think there are a number of different reasons you could give to that, the baseball being one of them, Nelson Cruz being another, Mitch Garver, Max Kepler, and on and on, awesome seasons, all kind of aligning for a breakout. But, yeah, Rami, until we get some sort of definitive answer or at least some finality to the Astros part of this, it's just every couple of days something more comes out. We learn more. It went deeper than we thought originally. Yeah, there were dark uh, arts involved, apparently. Dude, we gotta we got to get to the end of this story before we can start you know, seeing some sunlight at the other side of the tunnel. The dark arts. <laughs> Did you see that story, Phil? <laughs> yeah, Rami the, brought it to my attention earlier oh today. Oh, my Wall gosh. Street Journal, man. It was an intern. It's incredible. And look. Were any of the four of us surprised reading that story? <laughs> right? Like, oh, you mean there was a genius who knows code and, like, has all these computing languages just readily at their belt and is obsessed with gaining an edge, right or wrong, no matter what, and is permissed to do that? Like, man, it's, it's sad, of course, but it's not shocking in any way at all. What I, I'd like to know now, after the Wall Street Journal story came out on Friday, Derek Wetmore, is this. How much more does baseball know that they're not telling us about how deep this ran? 
Like to me, to me, the story in the Wall Street Journal didn't just indict the Astros again. It indicted all, all of baseball because you got to figure that the investigation turned some of this up and that they're just like, ah, if we release that, it's going to look worse. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm more curious now about how much more they know about the Astros scheme to basically defraud baseball. And just as importantly, how many other teams they found where they're just like, if we make this go away quicker, the better. Yeah, it's a great question, Judd. Um, because no. I think <laughs> no, no, it's just. What are you guys? What is all this? No, it's air balls, man. It's all this is. I'm shooting an air ball right there. <laughs> oh, wait a second. Are you are you are you saying great question on purpose to play our game, or are you saying great question because you actually thought that Rami and Judd's questions were good questions? You know, that's a really good question too, Phil. The way you pointed it out, um, I hadn't thought about that, but now that you bring it up, yeah, I, I guess I should. Think a little bit harder on it. Right, we all three get a point then from Put it on the board. Cool. Uh, sorry, what was your question? No, it's fraudulent. <laughs> Joe, what, was, <laughs> fraudulent. Joe, what was your question again? How much deeper sorry. it goes and what My baseball do and how much more does baseball know that they look, just man, aren't going to give us? Honestly, this makes Rob Manfred look terrible. It makes him look terrible because if he did know about all this stuff and came out and was very specific and clear in his report that this was you know this is the extent of it. We we dug far and wide. We did an extensive investigation. And then, of course, that there is the, um, what do you call it, immunity clause basically invoked for players. Like, hey, help me out with the investigation. You're good. You're not going to get punished. That is such a brutal look for more details now to come out after the fact. Uh, boy, I don't know how Rob Manfred cleans this up, but it sure doesn't seem like the mess is all the Astros doing. I I, I got to think that some of this is on the way they decided to put out this report. It, it makes baseball look bad, and that's on Manfred. Yeah, Derek Wetmore, the host of the Score North Twin Show, is with us here from Fort Myers as part of our 10 Days of Twins talk on Mackie and Jub with Rami. So now that you're down there and pitchers and catchers are going to start working out tomorrow, you know what are the things that you're most curious to get answers on or discuss in the next two days or so? It, well, it's pitchers and catchers here for the start, so I'm going to focus on that at the beginning, and we get to the position players in a couple of days here. But I am fascinated to see if the Twins bet is going to pay off. It's not something, Phil, that we'll be able to answer in spring training, probably, but we can start to answer it. The Twins are making a bet on quantity over quality right now on their pitching staff, and I know that's going to rankle a lot of fans, I think this Twins team is set up to win a ton of baseball games this year and be in the hunt as one of the AL's best teams. Is it enough pitching to get over the hump in October, or do you still need that primo stud at the top of your rotation and and your back end of your bullpen? Um, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm fascinated to see if the Twins' bet will pay off here. I think they added some low-key, very good pitchers to their staff, um, and they're getting crushed in public perception because they didn't sign Garrett Cole, and I get that, and they should have signed Garrett Cole. But failing that, Rich Hill, Kenta Maeda, Homer Homer Bailey is sort of a buy-low candidate based on his second half last year, not to mention bringing back Jake Odorizzi and Michael Pineda. I think it's going to be enough to win the American League Central and win a ton of games over the summer. My question is, when the Leafs change color, is it going to be enough to win a series in October? Or heck, win a game in October. Let's start there. Of the guys who have reported and who you've seen, uh, do we have our this guy put on 20 pounds of muscle player yet, or this guy lost 50 pounds of fat? Like, who's the guy who transformed himself in the offseason? Best shape of his life guy? Yeah. Best shape of his life guy so far, I'd have to give 
it's a draw. Let, let me get my eyes on everybody, Rami. But okay. so far, just to give you some leaders in the clubhouse, and this is not just to uh, you know engender your respect with this answer, but the two leaders in the clubhouse are Miguel Sano and Williams La Tortuga, La Tortuga. Astadio. Wow. Yeah, buddy. Is he a, a little six-pack? Or? Why is he in shape? <laughs> that's, that's a great, great question, Judge. What's gone wrong here? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know man. part of the deal. You know, I'm fascinated even to see, like, he's a fringe roster guy. Sorry, Rami. He's a fringe roster How guy on this team. 26-man rosters, man. They, they are going to be deep adding Josh Donaldson. Takes away the need for having another infield. I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious to see how it breaks out. But give him this. From my eyes, best shape of his life so far this spring training. Amazing. Best shape I had of- to butter up Rami with that one a little bit before I said something mean about I'm his I'm going to be honest with you, Derek. I'm a little transparency here. I, I kind of knew that was going to be the answer. I just wanted my guy yeah, to get a little You set love. me up. Yeah, yeah, agenda. I wanted my guy a to get a radio pro. Love. Right Derek- before I came on, I saw a tweet of La Tortuga. Why do you lose weight? Looking fit and trim, man. I'm upset <laughs> about this. Derek, which, which Twins writer is in the best shape of his or her life going into spring training? Man, that's a tough question to answer because uh, I think we're all headed in the same direction. <laughs> oh, don't lump yourself in. I have uh, your thin as a rail. I, I have had many a spring training in which uh, another pant size or two was warranted once the regular season rolled around. So, all right, Derek, you can find the Score North Twin Show every day that Derek is down in Fort Myers the next couple of weeks, and all kinds of great content on scorenorth.com. And and by the way, Derek is uh, easy to find on Twitter. It's just at Derek Wetmore on uh, Twitter if you tweet and are active on social media. Derek, we'll talk to you. On Thursday here, and you'll be on in the one o'clock hour of Score North Live tomorrow. So, plenty, plenty of Derek Wetmore around here. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to right. it. See Bye. All right, that's uh, Derek Wetmore. I mean, he's not like the Rock or anything. He's thinner. He's, he's still, yeah, he's still our buddy. He's still our little buddy. Who and the love, wind, I think the wind blowing his shirt against his body makes that photo a little bit less appealing than he should have wore black. Is what I'm saying. It's still going to be fun to watch. He starts. We, he starts 2020 in Rochester, right? No. What, what yeah, is, what there's is no roster spot for him. Yeah. He might even just get traded at some point. I'm kind of over it, honestly. It was fun. It was fun for a couple of years there. You're over La Tortuga? I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. What? I'm good. The slogan for 2020 is, the Minnesota Twins, we're no longer cute. <laughs> we want to be hated. That's going to be the slogan. You and you know trying what? to ruin baseball season for me. That's what you guys no, are doing. No, Rob Manfred's working on that, okay? <laughs> That's got nothing to do with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. That's got to do with Rob Manfred is going to work long and hard to ruin your baseball season. I'm on scorenorth.com right now, and I was also part of this article that our guy Jake DePew posted with off-season grades. Yeah. And I gave the Twins an A because, I mean, for the first time in franchise history, they spent $100 million on a free agent, and they uh, they bolstered their starting rotation, their bullpen. They come out of the off-season with the best lineup in baseball, maybe one of the best bullpens in baseball in a formidable rotation, and they did all of this only giving up one of their top prospects, all of which are available as trade chips before July 31st. You give them a B, Judd. I did. You know why? What would, what would you have needed to see? to A B? I gave them a B. Josh Donaldson? I gave them, here's why. I gave them a B, and it's a solid B. There's nothing wrong with Bs. But I gave them a B because they went into spring, or I'm sorry, they went into the offseason. On November 1st, their to-do list, said Zach Wheeler, top-line pitcher, which they've acknowledged. They've admitted, okay? Yes. Now, I know it's not their fault that Madbum and Wheeler and that group of guys said, hey, we really appreciate it, but we're going elsewhere. 
But we know for a fact that what their primary to-do list said was not accomplished. Now, to their credit, they pivoted then and said, okay, we'll spend that on Josh Donaldson, and they went out and made moves. But I can't give you an A when you basically acknowledged that what was your primary plan didn't work. Because if their primary plan had worked, they'd be going to spring training with a rotation, I think, in their minds, that would have been Wheeler's or Mad Bomb, followed by Barrios, followed by Odorizzi, and then you're talking about Maeda probably not being being here, and probably Homer Bailey the fourth. So I gave them a B based on the fact that they've acknowledged what their primary plan was didn't come to fruition, and they had to pivot. I actually think Donaldson is more impactful for this team than Zach Wheeler would have been. I mean, Zach Wheeler's good, but he's getting paid like an ace who's going to take a team into the playoffs as a number one starter, and he's not that type of a guy. In fact, Maeda's numbers... With with respect to the innings, the innings don't match up. But Maeda's numbers are actually pretty similar to Barrios, Zach Wheeler, in the last three years of Madison Bumgarner. So I think Josh Donaldson is the better player when compared to these pitchers, even though offense wasn't the bigger need. But it's about scoring runs and preventing runs, which is what Rami always says. Do we grade this on a curve, or are you just grading it straight up? Because if you're grading it on a curve... It's their best offseason ever. Despite my disappointment... In not getting Mookie Betts or trying to get Mookie Betts, and to me, getting fleeced in the trade for Kenta Maeda, especially in the second version of it. Despite that, you look around Major League Baseball, and especially teams that are trying to win and and contend this season, and I have a hard time finding many teams that have done more to improve themselves this offseason than the Minnesota Twins did. Like, if we're, if we're grading it like, I agree with Judd that you set an objective. You set a goal for the offseason, and ultimately you didn't achieve that goal. They explicitly said, we're going to target impact pitching this offseason. That's almost a direct quote from Thad Levine. They didn't get it. They didn't get impact pitching. So if you're grading based on that, I see why Judd would give him the grade that you are. But if you're grading him on the curve of what the rest of Major League Baseball did or even just what the rest of the contenders around Major League Baseball did, find me somebody other than... The Yankees, who went and got Garrett Cole, or maybe the Rangers, who signed Anthony Rendon, who did more to improve their roster and improve their chances of winning than the Minnesota Twins did. Yeah, I just think when once we get into May, June, and we're watching this offense, and this offense is healthy, and Byron Buxton's the number 9 hitter, I don't think we're going to be sitting there in May and June thinking, man, it's great to have Josh Donaldson, but... I say the Rangers got Anthony Rendon, the Angels. Angels? The Angels. Are we really going to be sitting there in June thinking like, Ah, it's really nice. It's, this Josh Donaldson, the 15 home runs he has already, and all the fun dugout celebrations are great. But man, Zach Wheeler would really be the guy that puts this team over. The I'm top. a tough teacher, man. These are East Coast <laughs> smart guys, and they, you know what? We just don't hand out A's here in this corner of the studio. Apparently not the TCL broadcast studio, my corner. Very, very hard to get an A. Apparently, at the Athletic, so. they ranked the off season of every single Major League Baseball team, and they had different categories for different groupings in terms of how much you did. Um, this is a poker term, I'm assuming, Tim. They put the Twins in the not-all-in-but-pot-committed oh, yeah. group of baseball teams. <laughs> I mean, they're not... I would say, okay, pot-committed means you've already put so many chips. You start you, you start the hand with a million <clears throat> chips, and you've already got 800,000 in the pot, so you might as well just put the rest in at that point. Right. I wouldn't say they're at that point. They still have all all of their prospects except for Bruce Dargraderall. Like they they have built, and and we can dive into some of these projections later on this week as part of our ten days of twin stock. But Baseball Prospectus has them a ninety three win team right now, without trading, 
Larnik or Kirilov or uh, is it uh, Balazovich or however you pronounce the other top pitching prospect's name. Mm-hmm. I think if you were to have nothing left in the cupboards, okay, then n- now you're really all in and there's there's just no reason to turn back. But you could like you have moves to make still. You've got you you're sitting on a pretty good position of strength right now if you're the Twins. And in that same ranking at the Athletic of everybody's offseason, only two teams they say had a better offseason than the Twins, and that's the Dodgers because they got Mookie Betts. That's crazy. Mookie Betts makes you better than Kenta Maeda would. And the Yankees who got Garrett Cole. And they call those both they are both in the fully operational Death Star category <laughs> of offseasons in good. Major League Baseball. By the way, I think it's Balazovic. Balazovic. You know okay. what though? Don't sleep on what the White Sox did, too. I'm not saying they're going to be great, but the White Sox yeah. made some substantial improvements. I mean, the Cubs in Chicago, they sat still and did nothing, and I don't know why exactly. Rami, perhaps you could explain that Luxury to the tax. listeners. Uh, but the White Sox made some pretty good... The White Sox should be competitive. Yeah. I still look, expect the Twins to win, but the White Sox should be very competitive. And baseball perspectives, for what it's worth, has the White Sox as an above 500, slightly, an 83-win team. In 2020. I wouldn't be surprised if they're better than that. The only reason I know it's Belozovic is because Dustin Morris has been tweeting out videos of players with hard-to-pronounce names pronouncing their own names. <laughs> well, what, what's that new picture? How, Jolie Chassin. I was right Chassin. about it this whole, t- this whole time. I was arguing with people in Milwaukee his entire time there. People thought it was Yolise. People thought it was Jolise. It's Jolise. It's a soft J. Jolise Chassin. A, so- a soft J? With, soft J. Not a silent J. No. Soft J. So you just sort of Jolise. Jolise. Yeah. Okay. Jolise. So Julius would be a hard J. Yes, Jolies. Okay, be a good Dolly Parton song. I think I've heard it before. Jolies, 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 Jolie. Just leave my staff alone. (laughs) Doogie with the scoop, inside information about our local sports teams. When we come back. You think you like football? John Madden doesn't just like football. He f- loves football. You see what he did there? See, he had Brown on the play before where he jacked him up, and then he's going to hit him and take an inside move on him. Charles is like a boxer. Everything he does is to set up the next thing he's going to do. Before we get to our weekly scoop session with Doogie here on Mackie and Jeb with Rami, let's talk about Federated. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here to help you business owners out there. And all the work they've put in for over 100 years down in Owatonna, Minnesota, to help business owners we've talked about. You get to tap into that experience, and you get to tap into all of that expertise when you partner with Federated. Federatedinsurance.com to find out more. The other side of Federated, the charitable side, is also worth talking about. In July of last year... Federated hosted the 15th annual Federated Challenge supporting Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Over 50 companies were involved, and they raised over $3 million. And over the past 15 years, they've raised over $35 million, and 100% of that goes to Big Brothers and Big Sisters right here in Minnesota. 100%. And here's the best part. Over 100 Federated employees volunteer at the two-day event, and there's a waiting list to volunteer, and that's why I like Federated Insurance so much. They have a culture of serving our community. And they also bring that same culture of service and community to your business. If you own a business, call your local Federated Insurance marketing rep today or go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more information. Federated, 
It's their business to protect yours. We are also just a few days away from the big climb for LLS downtown Minneapolis, where Team Mackey is going to climb 53 stories of stairs inside the Capella Tower this Saturday morning with proceeds benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Minnesota. As many of you know, a little over two years ago, my mom died way too young at the hands of a rare blood cancer. She was the absolute rock of our family. She brightened any room she walked into. And it's my mission to give back and to help erase blood cancers from this earth forever, or at least make it much easier to cure blood cancers. And to this point, we have raised over $5,000 with just five days to go before the big climb. $5,000. We doubled our total from last year, but the goal is $6,000. And we'll take, hey, we'll take 20 bucks. We'll take whatever you got. And if you want to donate to the team or if you want to climb with us, we'd love you to have, we'd love to have you on our team. MackieLLS.com to sign up. MackieLLS.com. Promo code Mackie gets you on the team for just 20 bucks. If you raise a hundred, you get to climb with us. MackieLLS.com. Sex is extended. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Then Russell pulls up. And D'Angelo Russell off to a very nice yeah. start. Russell for three. Yes. What a debut for D'Angelo Russell. Russell hits the three. Man, no rest for Minnesota sports fans and organizations. The last couple weeks, the last month and a half have just been action-packed. And last night we had the debut of, of D'Angelo Russell. We had a big wild trade. Jason Zucker off to Pittsburgh. You can find the full unedited, unscripted, unchained version of the Judd Zolgad, Bill Guerin interview uh, oh, later yeah, on in the Mackey and Judd with Rami podcast. Legendary. Uh, so Doogie joins us every Tuesday at 5 o'clock for his weekly scoop segment. Doogie, welcome into the studio. Hello, Philip. I mean, think about it from last Tuesday. This segment, one week ago, February 4th, all that has happened it's amazing. from that moment on. I mean, it was last Tuesday night that I was tipped off that the Twins were the third team in this blockbuster Red Sox-Dodgers trade. And think from that moment, everything that has taken place, it's great for business. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. So, Wolves-wise, what th- that you saw last night, were there any surprises, Dukes? Because to me, it was more fun to watch. Russell is a nice player. But I would say, if you had, if you had handed me the script of how the Wolves are going to look against good teams, like Toronto is, that's exactly the script I would expect. The Wolves can run the floor better. They can shoot threes, but defensively, with Towns and D'Angelo Russell as your focal points, they're going to give up a ton of points. They are. Now, it was a couple weeks ago, Sam Mitchell was on my podcast, and he sold me. This was when the Raptors had like a two- or three-game winning streak, so maybe even three or four weeks ago. Mm -hmm. He goes, Dukes, the Raptors are going to finish second in the East. I said, Sam, you're bleeping nuts. Like, no chance. I'm the idiot. Like, Sam saw it. The Raptors, Judd, are really, really good. Now, will they put up 137 on a regular basis or even semi-regular basis? No. Is the Wolves' defense putrid? It is. We saw Toronto just abuse them with the pick and roll. Like, D'Angelo Russell is already a bad defender. He had no idea what to do last night in the pick and roll. So, yeah, I mean, that's how teams will exploit the Wolves. I mean, in many ways, this is Houston North. 
right? You think about the Rockets now. The Rockets have gotten better defensively the last couple years, but you think about the Rockets maybe going back four-ish years. This is the Rockets where run and gun, take a lot of threes. But, yeah, I mean, if you get stops, it's a minor miracle. So, yeah, I think that is a recipe for if when they play good teams, really good teams, you know, cohesive teams, teams with synergy, you know, teams that have been together, you know, for a while, like this Raptors group, yeah, I think that is going to happen to them. But they'll they'll win some games. I mean, heck, I think they're in danger of actually messing up their draft position to some degree. Like, I think it's okay if they end up losing a lot of games. By the way, the end of the game last night, with all due respect to Jim Pete, who's my guy, give me a bleeping break. Like, did you see David Vanterpool and Ryan Sanders go to Pascal Siakam and wonder what he was doing? 22 seconds left in the game, give or take a few seconds. Shot clock is winding down. Like, what the heck is Siakam supposed to do? Take the turnover? He doesn't have to take the turnover. He takes the shot, ends up making it. So the Raptors go from 134 to 137. Saunders glares at him. Vanterpool has some words for him. Like, give me a break. Yeah, you a offer dude. you offer little to no resistance for the first 47 minutes and 40, uh, 40 seconds of the game. Then all of a sudden, you're going to take exception with him saying, hey, I'm not going to just you know take a turnover on my stat line. I mean, that was just... I was you a on bad, this. bad look it, for the Wolves late in that game. In last general, night. with 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 like one percent exceptions, being offended is the most worst, the most wasted emotion you can like. Don't just fix it. Play better defense. Stop being offended is what I would. Yeah, I've been watching most. sports the majority of my forty years on this earth, and I keep finding out about stupid new unwritten rules that that I had never heard of, and that's that's another one. I want to bring it back to the Twins though, Doogie. Did you hear from anybody in that front office about the way that everything went down with Boston pulling out of the deal because of what they saw in the medicals? Even though there was nothing new there, he didn't fail a physical. That came off to me, and I think Judd and Phil, that that was a team that was reacting to the public reaction, that they seemed to have gotten fleeced in their trade of the second-best player in baseball, so they needed an excuse and the excuse was Brewstar Gratterall's medicals. That can't have rubbed some people in the Twins' front office the right way. Agree. I do think there is something to be said. Well, put it this way. Let's go back to last Tuesday night. The Twins weren't the ones who leaked details of the trade. Now, is it possible the Dodgers leaked it because they were acquiring Mookie Betts and David Price? Yeah, it's possible. But a lot of people think it was the Red Sox actually who leaked it. And yeah, the blowback... I think they didn't foresee. Now, they have thick skin. I mean, think about that market, right? Like, they've won how many World Series in the last 20 years? What is it, four? Do they have four rings? Four. Should know, but best man has all four. But, yeah, it's just, (laughs) there absolutely is something to be said about they did not foresee the sort of reaction that, that took place. Are the Twins that upset? No, but I think if you ask some Twins people, they will tell you that they liked the deal. In its original form, better, even with the $10 million coming, even with a catcher that maybe has a chance. Like, I just know one person with the Twins that is really upset that they gave up the 67th pick. Like, you think about this amateur scouting department, you know, since Falvian Levine took over with Sean Johnson and others being elevated. Like, they've hit on some draft picks. Like, Ryan Jeffers was a draft pick. He's a catcher that I think will actually be up with the Twins at some point. This year, a lot of people listening probably don't know the name. That's okay. But he was a draft pick in that range a couple years back. Like, that's the kind of guy 
you gave up by giving up the 67th pick, plus you give up the pool money. So now all of a sudden, the Twins only have two picks in the top 100. So I just know that there are some Twins folks that would have just preferred, hey, we give up Gratterall, we end up with Maeda. But now, you know, with the the way that the deal was reconfigured. But bottom line, they love Kenta Maeda. So the fact that they got Maeda, yeah, sure, there might be some some hard feelings. You know, maybe the Twins don't go out of their way, you know, when they when they play for the Mayor's Cup here over the coming weeks to, you know, go bond in Kyan Bloom's booth, the new GM of the Red Sox. But the Twins got their guy. Like, they really wanted Maeda. So bottom line, the Twins are happy about that. Potential spring training uh, friction, possibly a beanball war of sorts. <laughs> I don't think it'll mandated by Derek and Thad. Uh, Dukes, what's your sense about the potential to with this team as far as as the waiting game or the observing game? I should say in the first few months to see where Barrios is at as potentially taking that step from being the Twins ace and a good pitcher to a true ace. And if we don't see that by let's say July first. The fact that this team, because they do really seem to be in deep for 2020 now, would be open to going back into that prospect pool. And the Gratterall trade shows that they'll trade guys now, that they'd go into that top five prospect pool to try to get a true ace if, in fact, they deem that Brios is more of a two than a one. Well, I mean, how hard is it to get that true ace? Right? Like, who is that guy? I mean, is it Noah Syndergaard? Like, look at the top 20 pitchers in the game. You look at the top 20... Let's say I'll. I think like I'll sixteen are like completely how about, untouchable. How about a pitcher that the Twins would deem to be better than Barrios, and we might not consider that to be Colfax? Well, yeah, I think either way, because you're right, they are all in now. They have flexibility to be all in in 2021 and 2022, but make no mistake, they are all in on this particular year. So even if Barrios is rolling. I can see a scenario where they end up dealing a good prospect or two for a good starting pitcher. Like that wouldn't shock me, especially now with an extra ten million dollars. Now Maeda's got all these incentives built into his contract, so maybe some of that money is geared toward you know that part of the equation. But I'm just saying now with this additional money they got in this transaction, they have that much more flexibility to do some stuff in July. Also on Barrios, by the way, I had a conversation with Wes Johnson. Twins Fest weekender. It was a few days before on on the Twins Caravan. And he wouldn't hint at exactly what, but he said they were changing some things here. So maybe Wetmore can can find out here in the coming days. Just, you know, some of the things that, that he does down there, the way he works, I know they were changing some things for for Barrios. Yeah, he doesn't need to be running like seven miles around the warning track well, every no. day, you know. Like <laughs> no. that's the type he I appreciate work ethic. And trust but, me, dude. when he does, he'll post the video on yeah. Instagram or Twitter. <laughs> You know who loves himself some Jose Barrios workouts? Jose Barrios yes. loves himself some Jose Barrios workouts. Uh, Doogie here with us from Five Eyewitness News and the Scoop Podcast, available on the Scornorth app, Apple, or Spotify. Uh, just coming back around to the Timberwolves now. Where do you, you had a conversation on your podcast with Glenn Taylor last week? So now that they've kicked everybody off the roster except Carl Anthony Towns and Josh Akogi from last May, and they've they brought in their second superstar. Where are they at here in this in this process? Is this is this full steam ahead build around D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, or is Towns still sort of on notice in terms of can he be the Batman, quote unquote? What's your sense in terms of where they are in this building process? Well, I mean, I think he is on notice, but I also think in the same breath, yeah, they are building around those two. But if there's an opportunity to strike on a superstar like a Bradley Beal 
or Devin Booker. I mean, that's the popular name, right? Because of the Slam magazine cover with yeah. Booker and Russell and Towns. You know, I'm curious to see what takes place in Philadelphia. Like right now, Philadelphia would open the playoffs against, I believe it's Miami. That would be a 4-5 matchup. If the Philadelphia 76ers are a one-and-done, losing the first round, they are going to blow up that team in some form or fashion. Is that Embiid? Is that Ben Simmons? What takes place with Philadelphia? But I do think some superstars may be available this summer. So as long as superstars are available and the Wolves have... I mean, they have some draft capital. You know, does Jared Culver have any trade appeal? I mean, I don't think they could make the best offer for a superstar. But make no mistake, I mean, Rosas is still big star hunting. Like, just because he got Russell, he's not going to stop. And I even talked to Rosas about that last Friday. But, yeah, Glenn Taylor certainly indicated that as well. But, hey, this series of moves, like, this franchise needed that so badly. Two weeks ago, season ticket renewals went out. Let's just say, and they threw a big party at Mall of America for season ticket holders. Let's just say there wasn't a whole lot of excitement, though, from a lot of people saying, yeah, I'm in. Count me in for 2020-2021. You make these moves, there's excitement. How about TV ratings? Are they bad? They were for the month of January, but how about the game on Saturday, the Clippers game? And keep in mind, there was a full ratings point in the arena. They did a 2.8. Now, people listening, 2.8 doesn't do anything for anybody. But by comparison, in the month of January, the highest-rated game did a 1.4. Yeah, They had a bunch of games that did a .4, a .3. Like, that's, put it this way, that's what, like, Twin Cities Live does at 1 a.m., the replay on Channel 5. <laughs> the 1 a.m. replay. That's what some Steve Patterson's a charming fella, too. Steve's my guy, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, we love her, but I'm just saying, the 1 a.m. replay does that rating at times. That's what the Timberwolves were doing. But those cooking segments, don't don't short those cooking segments. I know. So that's just one example of they do double the audience of their highest rated game in January. I mean, I think there were some empty seats. Judd, you were there on Saturday. I was watching on TV, but they announced a sellout. Yeah, there were some, but it, it was a good crowd. And it'll be a good crowd again tomorrow night. They gave away some tickets. But I'm just saying, like, from that standpoint... This franchise needed these moves so bad. I want to play you guys. This is from Scornorth Live earlier today. Brian Windhorst joined Scornorth Live. Full interview available wherever you find podcasts. Love him. Live. And you can hear Scornorth Live weekdays, noon to two. You can go and listen to it right now at scornorth.com or the Scornorth app. Actually, wait till six. This is a good show. Then go and listen to that other For sure. good show. Yeah. So this is Brian Windhorst talking about earlier. He The, the clip that we played earlier was him through the the eyes and ears of people around the league saying Carl Anthony Towns is a whiner, he's soft, he blames other people, and defensively he, quote, has withered away to nothing. So Wendy was not pulling punches. This is what he said, however, about the Wolves in the trade. I have to take my hat off to Glenn Taylor here. Uh, Glenn Taylor did something that I've almost never seen before. I don't have the complete list of NBA transactions in history to compare it to, but for a guy who I think they had the third worst team in the league, an owner willing to go into the luxury tax. I mean, normally you see teams that are bad midway through the season, you know, cutting off fingers and toes to get out of the tax. He was willing to go into the tax at the middle of the season is as is, is a part of all these moves. And his willingness to go into the tax led them, in my mind, to win the, the, that trade. Now, we'll see what happens ultimately with D'Angelo, but they moved off Wiggins and got Russell and only had to give basically two draft picks. Um, 
and they didn't have to give up this year's pick, which I, you know, this is the year that I think they're going to have the higher pick. But I do think it's a little bit worrisome, again, that basically what the Warriors are doing from a financial standpoint, they are shorting the Wolves. They are saying, we're sending you D'Angelo Russell, and we don't think it's going to work. And we don't think it's going to work so strongly that we don't even want your 2020 pick when the, when the draft isn't as deep. We think you're still going to suck next year, and we're going to take your pick next year. Good luck with this guy. Meanwhile, the Wolves are like, take Wiggins off our hands. Just get him out of here. Um, great. He had a 25-point, he had 25 points and they lost in his first game. We've seen that 50 times. So, like, it's interesting. Two teams are both sort of thinking that they got the better end of the deal. I guess we'll see. So, Doogie, in what universe, and this is this was what we were discussing yesterday, and we're trying to wrap our heads around it, in what universe do the Timberwolves fleece the Warriors? Because that's that's what we're talking about here, right? If My, what a great trade. You dump Andrew Wiggins, you only have to give up one first-round pick, and you get D'Angelo Russell? I mean, what were they thinking? But that's a really smart organization, so... It is, and it is pretty amazing. Like, I can show you some text messages. Like, funny, where were these people before the trade last Thursday? But soon thereafter, people texting saying, hey, there's a lot of immaturity issues with D'Angelo Russell. Like, there are red flags with D'Angelo Russell, let alone on the court. I mean, we just laid out how bad he is defensively. But just there's a lot there with D'Angelo that the Wolves will need to figure out. Now, my comeback to that is... The Wolves have an assistant coach in Pablo, I don't know how you say his last name, Prigioni. Prigioni. Yeah, Prigioni, Prigioni. I mean, he was with them in Brooklyn. I would hope that Pablo, they certainly had conversations with Pablo. I would hope that Pablo told them the truth. And my understanding is he was he was a pretty good guy in Brooklyn. You know, going back many years, he had that kerfuffle with Nick Young with the Lakers. And the Lakers, pretty much, just to be able to dump a contract, actually attached D'Angelo in the trade. And the Nets actually wanted to keep Russell. Like, it wasn't until they were able to acquire Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant where they said, okay, you know, we're just, we're not going to do this. So the Nets actually really liked Russell. But I'm just saying there, there are some people in the league that will say there are some red flags. That being said, to get out from underneath three years, $95 million of Andrew Wiggins, you make that trade every day of the week. And the Wolves will, will have some flexibility this summer. They're an over the cap team, but they'll have their full mid level exception which will be for nearly $10 million a year. Can they sign somebody like Serge Ibaka? Like, I think the glaring need is a four, a power forward. You know, can you sign somebody like that, Montrez Harrell? I mean, there are some decent power forwards available that fit that mid-level exception-type contract. So the Wolves will have some flexibility to add even more this summer. So could they be a playoff team next year? I don't know if they're a top four or top five team, but could they be the seven or eight seed? They could. And that pick that they give Golden State in the 2021 draft absolutely could be like pick 16 or pick 18, not pick 6. And that's the gamble that they made, right? That that pick won't be worth very much, and the Warriors are gambling that it'll be worth plenty because you're still not going to be a very good basketball team. And the Wolves have some protection. It's top three protected. Also, Rosas did tell me that that the 2020 pick was a non-starter. Like Much like I remember years ago... from. Whose end? From Golden State's end? From the Wolves' end. I mean, Golden State, you know, the way Rosas told me it was, you know, it came up and the Wolves just said no, like instantly. Like it reminds me of years ago, and Wolves fans don't want to hear this, but when the Chicago Bulls and the Wolves talked about the Jimmy Butler trade, Chicago at first said, hey, we want Andrew Wiggins. And the Wolves said, 
That's a non-starter. Like, we're not going there. And they were right. He's a non-starter. Yeah, but yeah, the 2020 <laughs> Wolves pick was a non-starter. So they must they must have some master plan. That pick could be very high. The lottery is now, what, top four? You know, so that could be a really, really good pick. You know, is there a certain prospect that they're in love with? Or do they have some ideas with, you know, trading the rights to that player? But I'm just telling you, they have some, they have some master plans with, with that particular pick. On Taylor, by the way, with the luxury tax, just so people understand, if you're over the luxury tax, you don't get to take the money from the pool. So the teams in the luxury tax put in money. Then the other teams get to grab from that pool. So, I mean, we are talking, you know, at least a couple million dollars. That pool isn't going to be as big as other years. And the Wolves are actually working on getting below the luxury tax, like if they can buy out Evan Turner. But the problem is Evan needs to find a team. And I'm not quite sure Evan can play anymore. Yeah. Like, who wants Evan Turner at this point? But if he can find another team, maybe the Wolves can save some money, buy him out. Then he knows he's making up that money with his new team. So that's a process. There's some talk about what to do with Amari Spellman, who's going to end up in Iowa. And it sounds like he may end up finishing the year with the Wolves organization. He was a throw-in in in the Russell deal from, from Golden State. But if the Wolves can move on from him, I think they'd be open to that. I just don't know if anybody would claim him if they waived him. But the Wolves are looking into the possibility. You still have some time here to dip below the luxury line. But for now, for Glenn Taylor, I mean, Brian is right. For the owner to say, because this just doesn't happen. You go into the luxury tax when you're one of the four best teams in your conference. When you're a finals-type team, you don't dip into the luxury tax when you're one of the four worst teams in the league. So from that standpoint, Glenn Taylor deserves a ton of credit. Uh, Doogie, uh, 60 seconds left to your rapid-fire scoops. What else you got for us around Minnesota sports landscape? I mentioned the Wolves TV ratings from Saturday. What about the XFL? Oh, The I, XFL in I town. I know one guy, maybe two guys in this room who are uh, helping boost that rating. I'm not making this up. Now, I think there was a curiosity factor. In fact, I'm positive there was a big curiosity factor. But the XFL, there was a game on the local ABC affiliate, a game on the local Fox affiliate. Nothing in town. Go for basketball, Wolves. Did the Wilds play over the weekend? Go for hockey, the PGA, some soccer on, on NBC on Saturday or Sunday morning. There wasn't any local sports programming that beat those two XFL Football. Games. Yeah. The interest was pretty good here in town. Now, talk to me in three weeks. Yeah, I think the real test is like weeks two to four. The AAF got off to a great start too, ratings wise. Correct. So I'm curious to see what the ratings are the next few weeks. Yeah, how about the XFL kicking some butt here in the Twin Cities? Love it over the weekend. Where's our team? Hmm. Playing at Allianz uh, Allianz Field. Allianz, right? Yeah, exactly right. I don't think there's any buzz in that regard, but yeah, something to keep an eye on maybe eventually. Also, what else did I write down here? The links. Simone Augustus, I think it's been a foregone conclusion that she'll be back, but she has played for 13 years. Like, she could retire, but she will be back. I'm told it's a matter of when, not if, that she re-signs. She's a free agent. She's not signing with another organization. Simone Augustus will be back with the Lynx. We saw the move today. Dewana Bonner, multi-time All-Star, really good player for the Phoenix Mercury. She's on her way to the Connecticut Sun. The Lynx had dialogue with Phoenix about a... Sign in trade. It just didn't work out. If you look at the package that Connecticut gave up, multiple first round picks, the Lynx just couldn't match that package. Also, Skylar Diggins from Dallas. You know, she's a big name. The Lynx have talked to Dallas. In fact, at one point, I was told they actually thought they were making some progress, but Glenn Taylor told me on the podcast last Thursday that it doesn't look like Skylar Diggins 
will end up with the Lynx. I heard, Rami, you earlier today talk about Mike Zimmer. Mm-hmm. It's when, not if, on the contract extension. I'm just working on the terms. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised when he meets with the media in Indianapolis in about two weeks at the Combine, if we have official news at that moment that Mike Zimmer has signed a contract extension. The question is, is it for one year or is it for two years? But it's when, not if. Mike Zimmer is getting a contract extension with the Vikings. Right on. That's Darren Doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News and from the Scoop Podcast, available on the Score North app, Apple and Spotify. We'll see you next Tuesday, Doogie. Sounds good, boys. Take it easy. man. All right. Mackie and Judd. Sorry, I got to hit Doogie's mic there because I'm closer to it than he is. Uh, When we come back here, D'Angelo Russell with an interesting chirp there. Did you see this? On Twitter. Do you know what this is about? I I scrolled through the thread and I... Oh, there it is. I do know what it's about. I found it. But we'll we'll fill the audience in here shortly. Chirp stuff on digs, perhaps? I mean, Uh, you never know on Twitter these days with these kids. Crazy kids. D'Angelo, now this is, he's chirping a media member. So we'll we'll get to it when we come back. Oh. And cram session as well here. And before we go anywhere, let's talk about, let's talk about finances. Let's talk about Tondrick Wealth Management. Tondrick Wealth Management, led by Dale Tondrick, has... Life, Dale's life's work is literally helping people save and stockpile money for retirement. I don't care if you're 30 or if you're 60. There are things you can and should be doing to make sure you get to dictate what your life looks like in retirement. Dale Tondrick and Tondrick Wealth Management will help set you up with a plan to make sure you are on the right track financially, whether it's maybe you're worried about running out of money later in life. You want to make sure that you're saving enough, or maybe you're actually able to retire earlier than you think. This is a common mistake people make. Oh, i got to work till I'm 65. Well, actually, if you were doing this and this correctly, maybe you could retire at 61 or whatever the case may be. If you make the right financial decisions at this point, again, whether you're 30 or 50, it can either make or cost you, depending on the decisions you make, thousands and thousands of dollars in retirement. So you want to make sure you're making the right decisions. You want to make sure you have a trusted source of information to help you on this path. Tondrick Wealth Management, 952-401-1671. 952-401-1671 or myinvestingcoach.com. Also on the corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard is the best car dealership and service department you're going to find in the Twin Cities. That would be Luther Brookdale Toyota and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. So I, I, I love the new technology upgrades every two or three years, and that's why I am more of a leasing guy. At some point, I might finance something and, and buy it, but I just love the safety features, the technology. I love the fact this is the first car that I've had, my new 2019 RAV4 with Apple CarPlay on the uh, dashboard console, which turns my car into a smartphone, basically. We're talking about easy access to just tap the Score North app or the Apple Podcast app, or Spotify, whatever it is. On the way in today, I was listening to Bill Simmons on his podcast interview the CEO of Disney just by literally tapping the Apple Podcast app. Uh, and then when Score North is rocking and rolling, boom, it's one tap. So if, if you want state-of-the-art technology and safety features and you want the best service to go along with it, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard is the place. Luther Brookdale Toyota and the website you can peruse around. They're also open until 9 o'clock tonight. LutherBrookdaleToyota.com Jonathan here with the Score North download. Mackie and Judd with Rami coming back in just a second. But first, join Score North at the 2020 Choice Bank Minnesota Golf Show Friday, February 21st through Sunday, February 23rd. Your ticket purchase includes gate admission, 14 free greens fee passes, plus seven bonus greens fee passes 
with advanced purchase courtesy of TwinCitiesGolf.com and one free polo shirt. Tickets and more information over at scorenorth.com, keyword golf. Mike Zimmer talked to the media today and was asked about why he brought in Dom Capers, longtime defensive guru in the NFL, and here's what he said why he brought in Dom Capers. Dom has been doing this for a long time, and uh, I know he's always had really good ideas in, in, in the pressure game uh, defensively. Uh, and so, you know, I just I just want another idea guy, really. Somebody come in and, and uh, maybe have a little better way of doing things than we've done it in the past, or at least uh, be able to say, you know, have you thought about doing it this way or that way? And then, you know, we all sit in a room and decide, you know, how we want to do things. But uh, I just thought with the experience that he has and, uh, you know, the number of things that he's he's done in, in his career, uh, and basically he was doing a lot of the same things uh, in Jacksonville that he'll be doing here. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. And just for the audience out there, this is Jonathan Harrison's Michael Jordan flu game from 1997. Jonathan has raging pain shooting through his jaw. He chipped a tooth eating too much candy and probably corn dogs over the holidays. Definitely corn dogs. And uh, he's just sitting back you there. You chip a tooth on a corn dog. Well, the stick. Yeah, there's a stick in there. You ever, you ever have a corn dog? Before, My bad. Dude? Your My first bad. corn dog. I just. Are you sorry you asked? I usually you... stop biting down at the stick. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Go through it. <laughs> I'm the idiot. So we have we have Twitter drama here. We're trying to follow this during the commercial break, but Rami and I both saw this pop up in our timelines. D'Angelo Russell tweets at Nick. Is it pronounced Nick Friedel from from ESPN, yep. NBA mm-hmm. writer for ESPN? And Nick Friedel is frequently on ESPN TV and the Jump and stuff. And D'Angelo Russell tweets, "You a clown at Nick Friedel." And so people are trying to figure out what happened. What did he say? Well, he was on the jump with Rachel Nichols earlier today. And somebody transcribed the interaction between Friedel and Rachel Nichols. Nick Friedel said, the Wolves should trade Carl Anthony Towns. They aren't going to win with him. And cited Carl Anthony Towns' lack some of the stuff that, that we've been talking about today on the show. I guess he also said, I'm, this is hearsay. These are people tweeting me things Nick Friedel apparently said on the jump today, that the Warriors traded Russell for a reason. That's true, I thought. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not I mean, I'm sure Steph they, Curry. And, they they had to have had a reason to trade him, right? They're not just doing things for no reason. So, D'Angelo Russell thinks that Nick Friedel is a clown because he suggested that his buddy should be traded by the Wolves. Yes, and that the Warriors, I think the other part of it, because I saw another nugget, this is all like sure. second, third hand, we don't have the actual clip sure. yet, but... But that the Warriors traded D'Angelo Russell in part because of his attitude and maybe some immaturity. Well, the first part about it, I would say that if I were a guy sitting in the studio not named Judd or Phil, I'd be very upset because D'Angelo should have come after that guy first, considering he's been for months on a soapbox about trading Cat. So D'Angelo's yeah, Friedel's ang- swi- swiping your takes, yeah. Rami. D'Angelo's anger going in the wrong direction. Should yeah, be going at Rami Makhlouf. I'm a clown too, then D'Angelo. If 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 being out on cat and saying that the wolves should. What trade if we him. got you a courtside seat and dressed you up as a clown for tomorrow night's <laughs> Wolves game, and you sat there berating D'Angelo? Russell. I got to be a clown with a shirt on though that says "Trade Cat," just so everybody sure. get, just so everybody gets the joke. So full clown outfit. The hair, the makeup, yes. the whole thing. The big hair. T-shirt that says trade cat. Could we I do that? How fast are you removed from courtside seats? I would do it. I don't care. If you're wearing that outfit. Fine. Remove me. More publicity. I think you come in late, like a tip-off, oh, yes. so that they can't get a bead on you immediately. You sit down a tip-off, 
and start to berate D'Angelo Russell with, can who's we, clown now? Can we get our hands on a courtside seat? I would do this. I would do it tomorrow. I, I would have said before the Wolves acquired D'Angelo Russell, plenty of seats everywhere available. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case anymore. You could have sat on the Wolves bench yeah. two weeks ago. D'Angelo and Cat bought 2,000 of them for the fans. <laughs> that's true, I guess. It's a fair point. Is that tomorrow night? Yeah. You said you got four of them, or were you kidding? Did you actually get four no, of them? No, I was joking. Okay. <laughs> I'm going tomorrow night, but I was not, I did not get four of them. No. Amazing. All right, Jonathan, let's, let's, uh, let's see what your Michael Jordan flu game looks like here. Let's, let's go. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them, but let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Yes, this is Cram Session where Judge Jonathan fires off three questions. And then awards us points based on our answers. So far this season, Judd has four wins in cram session. Rami has one. I am still looking for my first cram session victory of the year. All-time stats, Judd, 24 wins. Rami, 17. Myself, Phil Mackey, with 16. Jonathan, why don't you fire away here? All right. So we heard Brian Windhorse fillet cat in the Wolves today on SNL. We heard... Kendrick Perkins roast Cat last week before the deadline, and Jimmy Butler started this all off last year by doing the same thing. I want you guys to convince me why this will be a destination that good NBA players will want to come to in the next couple off seasons. You guys are looking at me like you want me to go first on this one? <laughs> I don't know that I got anything for you. I, I honestly don't know that I got anything for you. What do you say to somebody to make them think that this is a good... Here, this is the best answer I can give you. Um, win some games the rest of this season and show me that this is kind of working. And then I might have a pitch for potential free agents or other NBA superstars. It's the best I got. I mean, I, I would say... All right. It's, it's hard. I'll be honest. The answer to this question is hard. I would say that if you don't have a coastal big city destination like Los Angeles, Miami, etc., there are a lot of examples of non-big-time cities being successful and winning championships. San Antonio, now you got to have the perfect mix from front office all the way down. you got to draft well, and then you can get players to come and join the party. Um, but and, and also, Paul George, I know he got traded to the Clippers, but Paul George, at one point, didn't he re-sign with Oklahoma City when the Lakers wanted him a couple years ago? So there are examples of guys going back to to lesser markets but it really starts with if Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell prove to be an actual formidable duo in these next 30 games, and you've got the cap space at some point, it starts with those two guys. Because it's not just going to be, well, let's go to Miami and help them build something. Because even if they fail, I get to live in Miami. I mean, you better have the winning portion down or guys aren't going to want to hang here and stay here. So it's it's it starts with... Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, and the hope that if you get that right, there are some other non-big market examples of success in that area. All right, the convincing thing, and you're going to have to find the right person to take this, so it's not going to be everybody and guys like Jimmy Butler are going to say it doesn't work there, but the convincing thing would be for the person to look at Russell and then especially Towns and say to themselves, I'm the ingredient that's been missing. Butler was a complete uh, uh, horse's bleep. And I'm going to be the guy who has the ability to step in there and elevate Cat, who, by the way, talent-wise, is a great player. It's between the ears. It's getting the most from him. And so it would almost have to be somebody who wants the the challenge of going at Cat and walking that very fine line between 
pushing him, but not alienating him like Jimmy mm-hmm. did completely. So to answer your question, Jonathan, I think it takes the right type of personality who would then become part of a big three potentially and get the most from the good buddies, Russell and Towns. I think I agree with you there, Judd, that it can, that it starts with convincing that person, but in all honesty, it starts with winning some of the games for the rest of the season. I'm agreeing with Rami here. Rami's going to get the point yeah. because those guys who come in will need to know that this team, that these two can actually win. There have been plenty of points I thought I deserved and did not get. That was one I didn't think I deserved and got, so I'll we take did. it. I'll take it. Are you really questioning a sick judge today? No. An ornery judge? No. Good decision, Your Honor. <laughs> Every time I look over there, Jonathan's just like, you can like see his cheek just throbbing in pain. There's not. He's uh, hunched over. Toothaches are. What kind of candy awful. did you break your tooth out of? I don't know. Exactly. It, was like a know? Hard, it was like a hard candy. I don't I like bit hard into candy. it and it just like. I was could, this recently? No, this are was you, at like Christmas time. Oh, I was going to say, because that's why you broke your tooth out of it, because you're yeah. eating Christmas candy in, yeah. in February. That- <laughs> no. no, 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 no. This was in January. I'm not a big Only fan recently of hard did candy. it start having. All right. Hard candy, forget about it. All right. So the- Give me any candy. I'm right there with you. Give me candy. The Oscars were this past uh, weekend, so in honor of that, I want you guys to create an award for anything that happened in Minnesota sports last year. What is that award, and who slash what wins said award? All right. I gave this great thought the past year, and I'm going to go back to last year, you said, correct? Mm-hmm. January of 2019. I am going to present this, and this is a two-year achievement award, but it, it encapsulates part of January before this guy was shown at the door. The Bellowing Wolf Award goes to Tom Thibodeau because nobody bellowed like Tibbs. He did it in an act. I mean, it literally was it was an actor type style with the the guttural Andrew Carl. It was the Bellowing Wolf Award. Come on down, Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Phil, bellowing Wolf. Rami, you're next. Somebody recreated the Timberwolves logo with Bellowing Tom Thibodeau too, and we. We need to put that up for the actual oh, Timberwolves logo. I need to see that. Right. Um, my award is going to be called the Jimmy. And the Jimmy is for the person who just speaks the truth, who tells it like it is, regardless of what reaction he may get from the public or from the fan base, whatever blowback, whatever consequences he may face, he tells the truth the truth in, in the face of lies and in the face of mischaracterization, in the face of false advertising. And, of course, the first Jimmy goes to its namesake, Jimmy Butler, who Jimmy was right. Every step of his NBA career, Jimmy was right, including his brief stay here in Minnesota and everything he said about the Timberwolves, Carl Anthony Towns, and Andrew Wiggins. Okay. All right. My award is called the Quoa Model Award. That's already, that's a terrible the name Quoa for an award. The Model Award. And that's an acronym for a coach who loves acronyms and a coach who overachieved the most with the least award, P.J. Fleck taking the Gophers to 11 wins (laughs) in a New Year's Day bowl game. He loves his acronyms, and so I am creating an award with with an acronym title. The Quoa Model Award. That's right. The coach who overachieved the most with the least, P.J. Fleck. I'd agree with you on the winner, Mackie, but I don't know about that title. It's a terrible name for a title. That's a weird... Award name. It's okay. So unfortunately, the award name the over here. drags down your point there. So in honor of great award names, I'm giving it to the Bellowing Wolf Award because that's just a fantastic name. Jonathan! 
Jonathan! I never want to hear that happen. No. So, Judd, you're getting the point there. One point for Rami, one point for Judd. Third point here. Mm. Former Blue Jays pitcher Mike Bolsinger, you guys mentioned this yesterday, is suing the Astros organization for the 2017 cheating scandal and how it affected his career after he gave up four runs, four hits, and three walks in a third of an inning against them. So I want you to frivolously sue someone or something in Minnesota sports history. <laughs> Who or what are you suing and why? All right, I'll, I'll go first here. And I think it's an admission that I don't know if I've made on the show before, and I do have photo evidence of this. I am suing Gary Anderson for missing a 38-yard field goal late in the fourth quarter of the 1998 NFC Championship game because it drove me to become a Packers fan in 1999. What? 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 And here's the photo of... 13-year-old Phil Mackey in a Brett Favre jersey. Why? What happened? What What do you mean, what happened? You saw the game? Yeah. Torment. Torture happened. So you bailed? I bailed temporarily. I bailed temporarily. How long did this go on for? Why don't you just sue yourself for that? When they they won a playoff game and faced the Rams, I jumped back on board just in time for them to get beat by the Rams in the 1999 playoff. But I... uh, I became so, a Packer wait, fan. Wait, I, I became a cried, Packer fan. You cried and you were a big Viking, so you just bailed on them? That is correct. The Vikings lost in devastating fashion. I cried. I was mad at them. I received a Brett Favre jersey that I asked for at some point the next year, and I became a Packer fan for a short period of time. And we're letting you run the station now? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. 20 years ago. Did you know this? Statue of no, no, he's never told this before. Yeah. Photo wow, evidence wow. right here. This is Chubby Phil Mackey. No one, I'm I'm not the only one who's learning of this for the first no. time. That Mackey was a Packers fan for a short it, while, it was of a, all things. It was a dark six-month period. I've decided to join KS95 because <laughs> they're doing so well. Wow. <laughs> Very concerned now. That, no, wow. you never told anybody that. Right. I'm stunned. <laughs> I'm, I, I did not know. expect that to happen. I, I don't know if that's worth a point or contempt. I, I'm, I'm suing for damage to a young Vikings fan psyche. Person there, I'm but. curious how the, the judge processes that's that amazing. one. Rami, that's amazing. That's, that's okay. something else. You want to go next? I, I'm suing Matt Asi- Asiata. Remember Matt Asiata? Remember him. Running back for the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> he's the new He's the new version of Leroy Horde. Need th- you need three, three yards, yards, he'll get you two. <laughs> need three yards, so what was the saying? Something. Need 10 yards, get you three. three yep. Need two yards, get you three. Yes. <laughs> well, he scored three rushing touchdowns in a game twice in his short stint as the Minnesota Vikings running back. Where was he on the depth chart that he ended up as basically their number Adrian one running back? was suspended that year, right? Yeah, Adrian Peterson took a tree branch to a four-year-old. Yeah, he got suspended for the year, and they didn't have any backups. I was going against Matt Asiata Enough. both times he scored three touchdowns in fantasy football. You go straight to hell, Matt Asiata, all right? Ha- how do you score three touchdowns against me? Not once, but twice in fantasy football. Sir, this is a crime, an injustice, and I think justice needs to be served. And needs this needs to be corrected, and Matt Asiata needs to serve some kind of penalty, Your Honor. You were so close to getting the win today. This last question, what? the responses have left me so perplexed. You were a point away from getting the win, and then you sue him because fantasy? All right. So Phil dumped the Vikings. So you said for a terrible reason. Which we didn't realize. I'm playing the game. Ra- Rami is suing Matt Asiata because of something that happened when he was in Wisconsin. All right. I answered the question as straight as possible, I guess, which might be my downfall. I am going to sue for impersonation of a sports executive, David Kahn. Because David Kahn, well, I mean, 
first of all, where is he now? Nobody knows. And second of all, is he in France? we've had some, look, we've had our share of bad coaches, less Steckle with the Vikings. We've had our share of bad sports executives, but this guy took it to a new level. This guy took it and he tried to use big words like bifurcating to make <laughs> us think that he was smart. You know, Derek Falvey's legitimately smart. Thad mm-hmm. Levine, legitimately smart. David Kahn, well, the last name says it all. I'm suing David Kahn. Judd, you're getting the win here. I mean, Phil's suing the wrong person. Should be suing himself for abandoning the Vikings. I don't know what happened. I can't believe Phil did that. You said frivolous. You said frivolous. I I want you to frivolously sue someone or something in Minnesota sports history. It doesn't get more frivolous than fantasy football. I want to talk more about Phil becoming a Packer fan. Like this is a. We've got four minutes left here. Yeah, six minutes left here. We We need to. Well, we're going to mock before the end of the show too. (laughs) You want to change the subject? So ask me any questions you guys want. Okay, how how long? How long did it last exactly? When did you do it? Like you, I've always know. I knew that you cried after the loss, which a lot of kids did. Yep. But like, okay, so when did you transition? I, I mean, vowed, a Packer fan, it's not like you adopted the Giants or something. I know. No, he went straight to the enemy. He went straight yeah. Benedict Arnold. Well, yeah. Now, yeah. now, most of, so my, my mom's side of the family is all from Wisconsin. So I've always had like Packer fans chirping and bragging and Brett Farving and just, it's, it's always been part Brett of my life. Farving? I didn't know that was a verb. <laughs> it's been part of my life, all right? And, Does that mean um, the thing with the Crocs, or what is Brett Farving exactly? It's the thing with the Crocs, the selfie photos. <laughs> okay. All right. I think he took that photo with a flip phone, if I'm not mistaken. Thank God it wasn't in a high def. Thank, thank God it wasn't one of these new iPhones or something to see every part of Brett Favre's little general. <laughs> but listen, it was a dark six-month period of my life. I'm not going to lie. So six months. So how know, quickly six, did you... Months? How, six months How quickly did you... Jump off the band or once the, Vikings the, once the Vikings got their so like, got their stuff right in 1999 and Jeff George was the no, quarterback. But I'm saying in 98 in January of that year, the field goal goes wide left for Gary. How quickly did you bail? I vowed to never get tricked by that team ever again. In that moment, it's the like it is the most. Nobody thought they were going to lose that game. They were the greatest team in NFL history, you know, according to all of us who followed that team up until they lost. And uh, it was too much for a 13-year-old Phil Mackey to take. He snapped. Okay. He snapped. I can't believe you he, never told he us He bought this. a Brett Favre jersey with his allowance. I've worked with you for how long? Wow. Seven, eight years now? Used his allowance on it. You've never... I still I, have that jersey, by the way. I don't think you've told me this. Do the bosses know this? Oh, I think I think it was... It was part of the vetting, now, it was but... part of the vetting process. Do you know how long I was accused of being a Packer fan because I covered them for two years for a newspaper? <laughs> Listen, and I, you really were a Packer fan when I went to when I went to confession when I was thirteen. That's the first thing that I confessed. Father, I have sinned. I have, I have gone to the dark side. I have become a Packers fan. I want to mock, mock. I want to mock, mock. I want to. All right. Gentlemen, I've got another mock for y'all. From WalterFootball.com. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, WalterFootball.com. WalterFootball.com. A staple of the old show. WallyFootball.com here. Do we know who Walter is, by the way? The namesake of this website? Not sure who Walter is, but right. I think this is Charlie's first round draft. Okay. Mock draft. Mm-hmm. I don't know who Charlie is either. But he's got the Bengals taking Joe Burrow number one overall. Chase Young to the Redskins at number two. 
Who's the next quarterback? Tua to the Dolphins at five. Justin Herbert to the Chargers at six. And now we're going to get to the Vikings portion here. According to WalterFootball.com, with the 25th overall pick, the Minnesota Vikings select cornerback Alabama Trayvon Diggs. I want to mock. Mock. That's the second one. I want to mock. That's got him taking a cornerback or taking him Trayvon in Trayvon Diggs. Oh, no, really? I found one last week that I read on Ventline. I don't know if we brought it to this show. Trayvon Diggs. According to WalterFootball.com, the Vikings could lose a number of veteran quarterbacks yeah. this offseason. Here's some young talent. In 2019, Diggs totaled 37 tackles, three picks, eight passes defended, and a fumble returned 100 yards for a touchdown. Took his game to another level in 2018 before going down with a broken foot. As a freshman, he had 11 catches for 88 yards and a touchdown. He must have been a wide receiver at some point. So there it is. Have we ever get Trayvon to uh, my mock that I found last week that includes trades? It's gotten bumped. No, we should get to that. I teased this time and time again. We never got to it. Do you guys want to? Do you have it? Do you guys want to mock? Do you have it? Oh, I have it. I want to mock. Mock. So your typical one tube: Joe Burrow one, Chase Young two, to the Bengals <laughs> and Redskins respectively. <laughs> you cut off that one to mock. At three, lack of respect for Ronnie. We right. have our first trade in a mock. Oh. At least that I've seen. That's right. At number three, with the number three pick in the draft, the Miami Dolphins are trading the pick to the Detroit Lions. So Dolphins Wait. will get no. The Dolphins are receiving the number oh, three pick. Okay. Dolphins up are from moving five. up. From five to number three. Gotcha. To get to a Tungavailoa, the Lions will get the Dolphins' first round pick this year, second round pick this year, five and 39 respectively, and then second and fourth round picks in 2021. Wow. So a first to second. Nice haul. A first, two seconds, and a fourth to move up two spots for the Miami Dolphins and take two. That's, want- that's aggressive. Did the Vikings make a trade in this? They did draft? not. The Vikings did not make. They take uh, Josh Jones, offensive tackle out of Houston. I want to mock. Mock. I want to mock. Mock. But I think three might be the spot you have to move up to now. To get two To get two from what I'm hearing. The medicals came back very good yesterday. Yeah, his hip's not broken anymore. It's a good first step. It's a recovering hip. Dolphins make another trade in this one. They move down to 18. Fra- oh, okay. To the Eagles pick, and uh, I love like these these people just like literally <laughs> randomly making <laughs> trades, and then we mocks. read it. It's reckless. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's reckless speculation. <laughs> All right, you can find our podcast, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Well, there's the score trade at number seven. <laughs> oh. We'll bring that to you tomorrow. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The College Football Playoff Committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well.
And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.